0: over 50 writing in life's sweetest third authors over 50's weekly podcast celebrates writers and their journeys to publication writing after 50 is a whole story on its own so let's skip to life's sweetest third and talk with authors about their journey from pen to publish Welcome. I'm Julia Daly, your host, and I invite you to listen to interviews with writers who've achieved their goal of publishing a book just later in life. We've seen award lists for under 30 or under 40, but I've yet to see lists for those who've achieved a significant milestone of their own, launching a new career, and publishing their first book, after the age of 50. We will hear about these authors' inspirations, struggles, strategies, and the smell of that first book. These writers' journeys inspire me because I'm one of them. My guest today retired from a 40-year career in marketing and is now living her life as an award-winning author in Shelton, Connecticut. She published her first romantic comedy, what's not said in 2020 the sequel what's not true followed less than a year later the trilogy will be complete when what's not lost publishes in early 2023 Financial services marketer, copywriter, editor, novelist, and author are all words to describe her. But being called Mimi by her granddaughter is what brings her the most joy these days. In her spare time, she's a book reviewer with Book Tribe, com and a member of Westport Writers Workshop, Independent Book Publishers Association and the Women's Fiction Writers Association. And she enjoys practicing Tai Chi and being an expert sports spectator. Welcome to Authors Over 50, Valerie Taylor. Well, thank you, Julia. I am just
1: so thrilled to be here with you today. i I am amazed as I read your bio, uh, all that you're involved in and how you have any time at all to be so gracious to us authors over 50.
0: Well, thank you, Valerie. I'm trying to pay it forward because our writing community is such a generous one. It is. it is. Well, Valerie, our opening question on authors over 50 is always, so what took you so long to write your first book? Well, it actually took
1: me more than seven decades, I guess. Um, But I always enjoyed writing. When I think back on my life, I recall, in fifth grade, I won a short story contest uh, uh, about traveling to Mars. And of course, now that's like almost true. (laughs) Uh, And I was thinking about it this morning that in fifth grade, I also won a pie eating contest. (laughs) So um, I do still enjoy pie and I do enjoy writing. But then when I went on to high school, I uh, was the uh, I was an editor for our high school newspaper. And I wanted to go Uh, into journalism in college. And so I went to the University of Missouri, the best J school in the country at the time. Um, But life uh, had different um, plans for me. And I ended up not staying there and and coming back and, and uh, really taking the corporate route of first being an admin, and then I got a bachelor's degree in business and marketing and Um, So for decades, I was uh, at different corporations or uh, banks, investment companies, writing a lot of um, marketing and communications, sales materials. I I think I would qualify it as writing nonfiction fiction. (laughs) So um, then when I divorced in 2002, I moved from Connecticut to Boston and um, I attended a, a writer seminar over a long weekend in I think 2006, and I was I, I was part of a small um, writers group that came out of that long weekend, and it was a minister, a gay man, and myself, and so we had we had such a wonderful time, kind of. Uh, getting into the beginning of our novels. And of course, they were all very different. Uh, it was a great experience, but my writing was just, was just terrible. I moved uh, in 2006 out to Seattle because I was offered a job I couldn't refuse. And I took my novel with me and noodled it, um, but I couldn't get the whole corporate speak out of my brain. And I let a whole whole 10 years go by with with nothing to show and I regret that now because it's like 10 years lost um but I retired in 2016 and I moved back to Boston and then to Connecticut where my family is Um, and I took a year to get settled and kind of figure out what I wanted uh to do I tried some um, blogging. In fact, I, you know, we we talk about authors over 50. So my blog, and I was thinking about this the other day was about the third act. And um, I tried that a little bit, but you know how hard that is to get any traction. So after a year, I found an online novel writing course. And it was modular, self paced, and I was able to ignore the topics that I was very comfortable with, like grammar, but I had to focus on things that I had no clue about, such as structure or dialogue setting. And so beginning in late 2017, until the summer of 2018, um, I wrote What's Not Said. And so you could say it either took me 16 years to write it or nine months, which <laughs> you think is, is uh, appropriate.
0: <laughs> well, I think you and I were on pretty much the same path because I was in public relations and marketing for most of my career. And writing those press releases or yeah. presidents of universities' uh, speeches or any of that is a whole different ball game than writing fiction. But I don't think those years were lost. I think we were honing our craft. And I, I think it's made us stronger writers than we would have been at an earlier age. So I call it writing in life's sweetest third.
1: <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I um, I think, I mean, it, it's kind of the, the good news, bad news, because... We did write for so long that when we, when I like uh, either revise or edit my work, I think I'm I'm doing a great job, <laughs> and then I hand it off to a proofreader, and they find all these things that I.
0: I missed. So, well, I'm the same way. I can look at your work and immediately find all the mistakes, but I can't look at my own work because right. I'm so close to it and I've looked at it for so long. I miss all of those duplicated words or mm-hmm. you know typos. <laughs> so it does okay. take it does take someone else looking at our work. That is true. You've been quite prolific ever since that first book. You now have 3 books under your belt. Oh, wow. I
1: I'm really shocked because um and and a, another author friend of mine just used that word prolific to describe me last week and I I was like, "What?" <laughs> I, I really didn't think about it, but uh, when I when I wrote What's Not Said, it was to be my one and only book. I did not write it with uh, a series in mind. And when I gave it to some beta readers, if you will, they each came back saying, well, what happens next? And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I said, well, we wanna know, you left us hanging. We wanna know what happens and so I, I I, sat down literally with a pad of paper and bulleted out um, what could possibly be a plot going forward. Was there enough, um, not just context, but content, if you will, in a story that I could push it forward. And so that's what I did. And when I was writing uh, What's Not True, which is the second, uh, it's the sequel, um, I was able to, in that process, actually uh, think about a third book. And so I, I was um, fortunate that I could then kind of lay some breadcrumbs, if you will, and uh, have a natural... Uh, cliffhanger at the end and so then what's not lost which is the the end of the trilogy um was a natural offshoot for me so that's how that that came about
0: well i love all things in three so i think a trilogy is just perfect
1: i hope so i hope so
0: once you wrote your first book, how did you proceed? Did you search for an agent, decide to choose a hybrid, a small press, or did you self-publish?
1: Such a vast array of choices that we have yeah. uh, in our life and I, in our writer's life. And I, I'm not sure how m- much I was thinking about publishing when I was writing, except I think probably that course that I took had, you know, some modules in that regard. But I also went to the Westport Writers Workshop and um, there I met a woman who had published with She Writes Press and she had her book with her and I was really impressed with that. But I had already started um, kind of querying some agents, um and I had gotten some nibbles. In fact, I had gotten a contract with with someone, but as I read the contract, i it was not for me. So I didn't take that contract., um, and I so I kind of I set a deadline for myself. It was like by December two thousand eighteen, if I didn't have uh, an agent, then I would self-publish. But, as I say, in the meantime, I met this woman at the Westport Writers Workshop, and she writes press. I did some research. Um I was really impressed. So on a lark, like in October of two thousand and eighteen, I, I I submitted my three chapters or whatever it was, thinking, oh, you know, it's just a lark, as I say. Two weeks before the end of the year, I was sitting in a parking lot waiting for my granddaughter to get out of school. And I look at my email on my iPhone, and there's the acceptance by She Writes Press of of my first book. I mean, I was shocked, you know, so in January, I signed a contract with them, and then so what's not said became history, and then I, um, I also published what's not true, with she writes. But then, the third book I decided to self-publish. So that's why I say I've kind of I've done a little bit of everything.
0: <laughs> so well, it's great that we have that that menu of items that we can choose from now. You know, years ago there was only one route and that was to get an agent and go to the big five and so many i think very important works fell through the cracks because of that i imagine imagine that yeah
1: and even even a lot of uh whether whether they're hybrid or self-published i you know i read a lot of books i'm not a fast reader. I read about 40 books a year. And I know there are people that say they only read 200 books a year. I'm like, uh, do you even sleep? <laughs> you know? um, but I read a, a lot of uh, self-published or hybrid authors. And I think their books shine over some of the books by traditional published authors.
0: I agree. And she writes press is certainly so well respected in the industry. And I think one of their strong suits is matching up all of their women authors with each other so that you have a real community mm-hmm. there.
1: That is, uh, I believe that the biggest asset, in fact, um, recently, uh, so some of us have formed, um, like cohorts, you know, from like 2020, the, the the fall 2020 authors. And, you know, through the pandemic and everything, we have had been doing like monthly meetings, but the, the publisher is not part of it. It's just the authors. And um, so we're still meeting and it's almost 2023. And it's a real, um, Community. In fact, one of the authors um, had written a book called Waterbury Winter. And she lives out in um, near Seattle. Her name is Linda Henley. And Linda was coming out to Waterbury, Connecticut, which the book is about, um, in October to do a book signing. And so I was able to go to the book signing and meet her. And it was, it was so so delightful. But even the other night, we had one of our monthly meetings, and we just don't get on and talk about marketing or promotion or whatever. We had a, a really in-depth discussion about um, the challenges of writing um, a novel with diverse characters um, because – we want to do more of that, but we uh, feel the challenge of of getting it right. And certainly, there are sensitivity readers out there available to us, and we can do a lot of research. Um, but it it is, you know, certainly something we we want to do in a very uh, mindful and professional way. We don't want somebody coming back to us as, as you've heard in the, the media where, you know, somebody, whether they go on Oprah or, or I guess they don't go on Oprah anymore, but, you know, <laughs> on any of the, the talk shows and, and then they're kind of slammed because they didn't get it right, you know, so we don't want to do that. So it, it, But the community is really what, what is the most powerful attribute and of she writes
0: well I agree and I, I think that that's a very important issue I had two sensitivity readers on my last novel because I do want to get it right but I don't want writers to be placed in a box either you know mm-hmm. I want to, I want us to be able to take our story wherever we want it to go so it's a real touchy subject right now <laughs> it is it is Well, Valerie, why don't you uh, set up the passage that you have brought to share with us today and tell us a little bit more about the book and and share with us from it.
1: Great. So What's Not Said uh, is the first in the trilogy. Um, And it's about a woman named Cassie who has been in a dysfunctional marriage way past its expiration date. And just as she's about to... Um, run away with a younger man that she met in Venice, she discovers that her husband has a serious illness. So she needs to decide whether to stay or to go. So I'm actually going to read from the first chapter, because I think the best place to begin is at the beginning. (laughs) And I actually um, titled my chapters. And I did that because I enjoyed the creative process of of titling the chapters Um, but also it's it's a way for readers to kind of uh, go along with the journey and I have actually had readers say to me um, that they really love the chapter titles because sometimes it's very obvious what the title means but at other times they have to kind of guess what does it mean you know so it's really fun. So chapter one, to own or not to own. Cassie prided herself on being a control freak, not the my way or the highway kind of bitch, rather the do the right things right stickler for details. After all, being a perfectionist flowed through her DNA. Indeed, Cassie didn't advertise her spice rack as her mother did. But once upon a time, as she prepared to leave for her freshman year in college, She counted the number of cotton balls she used in a week and then calculated a semester's worth. When she ran out two weeks before finals, she discovered her plan had one flaw, her roommate. Lesson learned. She hot-footed it to the nearest drugstore and gifted her roomie a package to call her own. Cassie would freely admit she also had a well-developed time management gene. The best part of her day was when she planned the next. When the Franklin Covey store closed in Boston, she took it personally, swearing she'd never shop at that damn mall again. Oh sure, she could order her supplies online, but the thrill of touching the freshly printed planners and sniffing the plush leather binders was stolen from her. How would she ever survive? A quick visit to the Kate Spate store, took care of that near disaster. So imagine what was going on inside her highly compartmentalized mind when the day hadn't started quite the way she'd intended. She rationalized time was on her side. The hands on the oversized round clock hanging prominently on the hospital's waiting room wall read 417. Was it early morning, middle of the night, didn't matter. Either way, like her cotton ball miscalculation, this trip to the ER was a minor speed bump. Her plan had arms and legs. The day's agenda was as simple as one, two, three. Get to the Red Sox game at Fenway, celebrate afterward, tell her husband she filed for divorce. Piece of cake. All she needed to do was get Mike out of the hospital and back home So she could jumpstart the rest of her life.
0: Oh, that's great. You know, I've always thought I was so laid back, but I realized as you were reading, I have a lot of her same traits.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised given your background.
0: That's so great. Thank you. Valerie, you had a Um, long career in marketing. Are you, are you utilizing those skills to market your own work? I think I
1: am. Um, and I, I didn't, um, like so many, she writes authors have invested tens of thousands of dollars in publicity. And I just don't have that kind of money. And so I, um, I researched um, publicity folks in Connecticut. I, when I started, I want when I signed the contract in January 2019, I wanted to have to work with someone uh, that I could sit face to face with. It was before the pandem- a year before the pandemic, and so I found um, Merrill Moss Media in Westport, just down the road a piece from me um and went and, and spent a couple of hours with them and, and found that they had a uh, almost like a subsidiary of of her wonderful um publicity firm called B- booktrib.com and and booktrib um offers authors like me almost like a, a menu of options for um, marketing and publicizing our, our books. And so I was able to uh, to pick and choose what I thought would work for me and then kind of uh, complement it with things that I felt I was I could do myself. Of course, I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> at the time. <laughs> um, and so I actually sat down and uh, wrote out a whole marketing plan and it's like 10 pages long and you know month to month week to week all the things that i would do and then i just kind of cross off it as i go along and i've utilized that marketing plan for each of my books and of course it it's changed quite a bit and it uh it my reputation for having this marketing plan has kind of gotten out a little bit, uh, among my, she writes author, um, sisters. And so I've been sharing it with them and I keep telling them, but you know, you've got to make it your own, you've got to make it your own. Um, and I, I, think it's, um, it's really served me well having the marketing background because I can, not just do the plan, but I can prioritize, you know, what do I need to do first? I mean, I was doing this last night trying to figure out, you know, do I do book bug before I do my Kindle select and do I do my Goodreads ads and um, the giveaways and everything. So it, it, I think it, it has helped me quite a bit.
0: Uh, I, I think You know, it it's kind of throw everything at the wall and see what sticks because I had public relations and marketing too, but book marketing is a entirely different animal, just like fiction is, and so I I think we have to figure it out as we go. And I wonder if there was anything uh, specifically that you found that really worked for you.
1: I what I have found sells most books for me is doing uh book fairs and um you know either those that are dedicated to books book selling like i did the vermont uh woodstock book book stock i guess it's called and then recently i did the the boston book fest and uh with with other she writes authors uh and i i find that it's it's the way to um really introduce you know now my series to uh folks that that are really interested in reading and um, to sell a lot in a day type of thing. but I also find that the the smaller arts and crafts fairs I just did did one recently with another author um and they are, Um, really good for selling books because, you know, there's so many different arts and crafts going on that, I mean, we were the only two people selling books. And so, you know, it's kind of a captive audience that, so if they come up to talk to you, it's because they're already interested in a book. So I find that really the, the biggest bang for the buck, if you will.
0: Well, I think it's also so special to connect directly and in person with potential readers, and then they're going to use word of mouth to tell their friends, and then you're in a book club, and so it can grow from That's there. That's right, yeah.
1: Oh, and book clubs, you mentioned book club. Book clubs obviously are great. Um, pandemic, you know, sent us all uh, to Zoom, and uh, I've done a number of, of book um, club meetings across the country, not just you know in my area.
0: Do you have any unpublished or half finished books in you? I do. I have. I started right before the
1: pandemic uh, working on a biography of a um, my best friend um, is from Turkey. And her mom was from Turkey. And and so it's a biography about her mom's life. Uh, She had um, come over here um, after she married a a man, it was an arranged marriage. okay. And so he had come over to work out in California uh, for Stanford and university. And so, like, right after they got married. So that's why they got married. One of the reasons they got married was because, um, you know, he wanted to marry her, but in order for her to come over, they'd have to be married. And so she came over and then, um, you know, it's the way their life life met. And she's a very, very petite woman, but a very strong-willed woman. And so I am, it's going to be more of a novella. And I I didn't, so she's in her eighties now, and I didn't get to see her during the pandemic. Uh, But I just went up there a month or so ago, and we spent all day on a Sunday kind of filling in the blanks, I had, um, I had about half of it done. and, And so I wanted to confirm things with her because she came from a, a big family and, and getting ages and names and genders and places, right? I, I needed to reconfirm that. So I hope to get that done and get that um, probably self-published in 2023. So can't believe we're saying that.
0: <laughs> I know. Well that's very interesting. You're kind of a ghostwriter now. Are you going to pick up other clients to to write their stories?
1: Oh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I I was just, you know, as I say, she's in her 80s and she's um a very talented woman. She was a, a seamstress to the stars if you will around the Boston area. And then, um, before the pandemic, she kind of stopped doing that and and joined another firm that does all kinds of creative things. So, uh, you know, I was just, I was just so enamored by Mm -hmm. her creativity every time I'd go up there. I mean, the, the, the the jackets that she'd create or, Mm -hmm. um, just all kinds of things. And, and I, I was like, Oh my God. You know, I retired when I was, like, 67, and I'm not doing anything. And, and this woman is doing all this, this work. But what I am doing, um, other than ghost writing, is that I have actually taken a character in the third book, in What's Not Lost, and I'm spinning her off to be a sleuth in a – Cozy mystery series, and so I'm. Um, I've got to start working on that. So that that's my next big project.
0: Well, that's great. You're very prolific, as we said. <laughs> I hope so, because they say you need six books in a cozy mystery series. I was like,
1: what? <laughs> six books?
0: I know. I've only written two. I'm just amazed by all of you who are churning out these books. Um, I don't
1: know how people do, do you know what I, I don't know that I can really do one a year I mean it was yeah. it was it was very natural at, as I said after I got into what's not true to, to spin off the, the third one but
0: well I did NaNoWriMo, um last November oh, yeah. and that's how I got enough words on paper to begin editing for the second book so you might try that next yeah. November <laughs>
1: You know, I, I tried Man-o-rimo, um in years past, and this is probably one of the first years where I said, no, I'm not even going, because I, I've got to get what's not lost yeah,
0: to be found. <laughs> exactly. Well, Valerie, as always, our last interview question is, Our writers over 50 are quite unique? Do you have any advice for writers 50 and above? I do. And um, the
1: dedications in my first two books were to uh, important people in my life. Um, but the dedication and the final book, What's Not Lost actually reads, dedicated to all those who dare to dream. And my advice then to writers over 50 is that if you're dreaming of publishing your work, understand that there are multiple avenues to get your work out there. Traditional publishing uh, is not the only way to go. And you know, you really need to share your talent um, and stories. And that, that there are various paths available to you and your genre. Be realistic, keep an open mind, and affiliate with with others who have gone before you. Learn from their experience because there's a wealth of knowledge out there. And um, they can help you through all the barriers and, and hurdles, but but just do it. I mean, it's the old what is that the Nike, the Nike um, saying, yeah, just just do it. Because, uh, like I said, I I waited. And, um, and I do have some regrets about that. But it was a, you know, it was a different time, you know, 20 years ago, It was very different.
0: So that's what I would say. I think that's great advice. I think that those of us who have waited have acquired so much more wisdom and hindsight is certainly 2020. And I think we have so much to share now. And so we appreciate you and your time today. And we are now happy to say that you're one of our authors over 50. Thank you. And I appreciate you. Thank you for joining us today. Please look for Authors Over 50 every Thursday when we will have conversations with accomplished debut novelists over the age of 50. Please subscribe and share with a friend. And check out my own publication journey after 50 at www dot julia daily that's d-a-i-l-y like daily newspaper dot com until next time keep reading and writing and remember it's never too late to fulfill a dream in life's sweetest third